0: Most importantly, I really want to say, if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. What's up, 1045? Anybody excited to be here today? Real quick, um, before we dive in, in just a few weeks, this is hard to believe. Um, we are launching into Christmas Eve, and we have eight services on site, four on Sunday, the 23rd, and four on Monday, the 24th. And uh, it is gonna be incredible, it always is. And here's where you can help us out, is on the app, there is a little registration, it's also on our website. And let us know what service you're coming to. Like, this is all skate, we need everybody. Um, Because we have to plan for services that are gonna be at max capacity, and there will be even with eight services. So um, if you and your family can let us know, that would be amazing. Um, The guests that you invite, you can let them know about that. And in fact, next week we're launching um, a little giveaway where you can uh, give somebody an invite and a free Starbucks coffee, so that makes it easier than ever. So we always say 30 seconds of courage. You don't even need 30 seconds of courage. You give something away free, like that's the easiest invite ever. So we want to begin to pray now um, and prepare for what God's going to do. And there's this little line that Jesus says in the New Testament that is our guiding um, like light as a church, it's really the epicenter of what we're to be as Jesus followers. And Jesus says, "This I came to seek and to save the lost." That—that's what I'm all about. If you want to know what you're to be about, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you're to be about. When you go to Dunkin' Donuts tomorrow, seek and save the lost. When you go to the boardroom, seek and save the lost. Not, don't be the weird guy at work, but I'm just saying you represent Christ. When you go um, into the PTA, represent Christ. They need lots of Jesus there. When you go into the Homeowners Association, same thing, even more. Homeowners, one of the darkest places on the planet. Go be Jesus. Like, go seek and save the lost. And so that's us as individuals. That's us as a church. So if you're new, if you want to know what we're about as a church, seeking and saving the lost connecting and leading people to jesus and then helping them grow in a relationship with jesus which means um, we're not about a consumer mindset we're about a contributor mindset that we're all part of the body of christ and so i just want to encourage you go invite somebody go ask for some boldness go um, to a neighbor or a friend or a family member and you have no idea how that one invite may change their destiny And it's not just inviting somebody to church that's a part of seeking and saving the lost. It's everywhere we go, but this is a big part of it. And there's a bunch of people during this season that are leaning in and they don't have the hope that you have and that's part of being generous is giving away what God has already done in us. So there's no consumers at Christmas if you're a follower of Jesus. There's contributors into the mission of God, and so we need every Jesus follower to invite somebody, pray for somebody. Um, If you want comfortable church, it's probably not the place for you, Um, but we need everybody engaged, and if you're not serving somewhere and you're a Jesus follower, um, grab the card right in front of you right now and serve somewhere on that weekend. Uh, If you already serve, go fill out your uh, planning center form and let us know, Uh, but it's going to be an amazing weekend. I came in today, um, and I was reminded of a guy who's serving on campus today that two years ago, I was invited and came to Christmas Eve, and I happened to catch him um, on the back row of one of the services and was packed, but there was just like something about this guy that drew my attention. And I'll never forget at the end of the message, and I love when you get to experience this, dozens and dozens of people placed their faith and trust in Christ. And I remember he was one of them, had just been um, through a really difficult experience in his life, almost lost his life. He trusted Christ in that moment. And today, two years later, he is growing in a relationship with Jesus. He's figuratively washing other people's feet on campus. Jesus has changed him. And it all started because there was a bunch of people who are passionate about seeking and saving the lost. Yeah. All right. So week one, we get a golf clap for that. Hopefully by week three, um, there's some passion behind it. Would you guys stand with me? And we want to pray for those that God's leading those of you who are going to be serving on that weekend um, and for what God's about to do in this moment. If you want to agree with me, you can just stretch out a hand. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've already done today. We thank you for what you're about to do. And we thank you that over this season, we have this incredible hope. We are not gonna keep it to ourselves. We're gonna give financially, we're gonna give our resources, we're gonna give away an invite, we're gonna make ourselves uncomfortable, we're gonna serve other people, because that is who you are. And honestly, the essence of us finding fulfillment is being in that place. And so for some of us who just have trouble believing that, give us the courage to just test you and to take you at your word. And Lord, I pray for those even now that they've got some people around you that over this last year, you have strategically dropped them in their life. Give them courage. And I pray that you would use those interactions and that investing in relationship and those invites to literally change the destiny of hundreds of people who wouldn't just come to know you, but then would begin to grow in a relationship with you and understand your obsessive love for them. It's why you came. And so I pray that, Um, God, you would just mobilize us as a church. We desire to be on mission with you. We did not come to sit in rows. We did not come to drink hot chocolate or check some check mark off a socioeconomic game so we feel better about ourselves. We've come to meet and worship Jesus and see him turn our city upside down and we are bold enough to believe that even through this church you can change our community, our city, you can change our state and beyond because we are representing you. And so we pray God that we would be all about lifting up your name and introducing people to your invitation and I pray even over these moments right now that you would begin to alter some people's mindset and free them from whatever they carried in here today. And we pray all of this in the incredible and capable name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. When I've been off for five weeks, I start preaching even in the announcements in the prayer. So I got to get uh, moving or it will be a long time this morning. Uh, have you ever noticed this about the season that like some of our expectations can fall woefully short of reality? You know what I'm talking about? At 9 a.m. did not help me at all, so you have got to help me at the 10. I'm not preaching this by myself, okay? Okay? Okay. Um, so our first Christmas together, my wife and I, and it wasn't like our first Christmas as a married couple, just first Christmas, like having gotten to know each other. Uh, we had met each other eight months before, and I decided like I needed to seal the deal. I needed to put a ring on it. Um, I wasn't gonna wait. And so eight months in to actually meeting each other on a blind date, um I I orchestrated um this elaborate kind of Christmas Day um proposal. And I mean I'm not gonna it was amazing. It, it was amazing. <laughs> and now if, if I recount some of it, it's kind of cheesy, so I won't give you the details, but at the time it was amazing. And so um, I orchestrated it. I had several people involved. Like I, like there was some logistics. It all went down on a beach and like it was incredible. And so we, we went through that. It, everything went pretty much as I had planned. I proposed to her. I dropped a few dollars on that ring, but everything um, was pretty amazing. And then there was this thought after the fact, like literally within hours that, um, that was kind of depressing because I knew that the only place to go after that first Christmas was down, downhill. Like everything was never going to measure up. It was going to pale in comparison to that. So I remember going into our second Christmas, our first as a married couple, um, just moved into this little townhouse and, you know, it's like all your first, first Christmas tree, first, you know, waking up on Christmas morning and like you fee- you're you adulting at that point And so it feels pretty cool. And so um, we're getting up and I was pretty excited about it. And we started to open, you know, we gotten each other gifts and um, she starts to open her gift and she's all like, she's excited and. And I'll never forget, it's not over-exaggeration, her opening her gift, and immediately her facial expressions changed. to. <laughs> and then you know how, like, you start, like, uh, oh, you, okay. And I, I got her a, a lamp for, for Christmas. <laughs> and I, I'm not talking about, like, a Christmas story lamp. Like, it wasn't a lady's leg. It was, it was, like, a legit, it looked nice kind of lamp. But you know how, like, you have those conversations where it's, like, oh, you, you got me... A lamp. And she, because she's she's gracious and sweet most of the time. And so she starts off that way. And then, like, the more you ask the question, the angrier it becomes. Like, you got me a lamp. You got me a a lamp. You freaking got me a lamp. (laughs) And in the back of my mind, like, I would have never said this out loud, but I think I had this idea, honestly, that. I was kind of coasting because after that first Christmas, I thought I'm, I'm probably good for the next 10 years. (laughs) Like no matter what I do or what happens, I can just go, Hey, remember that first Christmas? Like that was legit. And then we'll do a cruise at our 10 year anniversary and that's fine, like I, I kind of felt like, but you don't stockpile, it's like every, it's a, new, it's, it's a new slate, what have you done for me lately? So I remember she's opening it up and like, you know when you get like keys and then you're hoping, okay is there a car that goes with the keys out my driveway? She's like is there a, a living room suit that comes with this? Is this like the teaser? Is there a new house that's coming with this? No, it's just, it's just a lamp. And my, my whole point is within those few hours, it was not the most wonderful time of year for us. And um, we, and like the big issue she had was not even the gift, it was her perceived um, idea that I didn't put any thought into the gift. And so I immediately went into, I'm guilting her and I can't believe it, I spent so much time on this and I thought it was going to be amazing and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And now, eight years and three kids later, this is the first time I feel safe enough to talk about this is, um, what she said is exactly what happened. I was just deflecting. I walked into Walmart the night before. (laughs) The first aisle I saw had lamps in it, got the lamp, got it home, voila, that is your present on Christmas morning. And so I just wanna apologize to you, baby. Um, Eight years later, that actually is what happened. Um, So, it's easier when there's a buffer of a couple hundred people, and by the time I see her later today, it'll be much better. So um, so I got to get back on point, because I, I forget, honestly, what I was even going to talk about. My, actually, here's my takeaway for you, if you're a guy, this is me leading and discipling you. If you don't get anything else today, don't get your wife a lamp for Christmas, all right? Or you will not unwrap anything ever, if you know what I'm talking about. So... <laughs> So my whole point is, I got to move. I don't know. I, I said I had to move, and then I'm bogging down. Our, our My whole point in all this is, like, our expectations don't always meet reality. Like, even the commercials that play during this year, like, our, the underlying message is, hey, your life sucks. Merry Christmas. You know? There's a Lexus driving up to the the cabin where snow is falling and everything is perfect. And I'm just going to tell you, even if I had a Lexus driving up to the cabin while the snow is falling, some of the lights would be out. One of my kids would be screaming. I'd be trying to hit one of them in the seat behind me. Like it would not look like that. You know what I'm talking about? So here's the reality and it's kind of crazy, and I, but I think this is true that the Christmas season can actually highlight what's not Right? Like this thing is supposed to be the most wonderful time of year, and it is amazing. We started decorating and on Halloween we're all in, but this thing that's so amazing can actually highlight what's not right. like everything is supposed to be right, and sometimes what happens is you start focusing on everything that's wrong like it's during this season where suicidal rates are like through the roof that there's this thing that we're just reminded of the the things of our past, the things around us, the things done to us and and so, what I want to talk about, and, and who I want to talk to, really, as we start the series, is just those of you who are um, carrying some ghosts. You're haunted by some things in your past, or some demons that you're dealing with, and maybe more than ever, you're, you're reminded of them during this this time of year. And you, you try to quiet it, and you know, just throw on more lights, buy more presents, and, and there's something about that that's like intoxicating in the moment. It wears off, and, and expectations don't meet reality, and And maybe your ghosts are like, it's a relational thing. And this is the other bad part about the season. Like that ghost might be coming to your Christmas dinner and you can't avoid them anymore. It might be something that's going on with your kids and you look back and there's just some regrets about decisions you wish you could do different. And it's this time of year that you're reminded of some of that. Um, For others of you, it's, It's just this this thing where you're trying to find relief so you're self-medicating in some way or or maybe it's just some stuff. It's not even really decisions that you've made. It's decisions that have been made around you but they affect you. Um, It's some things that you just look at and if you were to really be honest, you don't have a lot of control over it but you're just kind of disappointed with where things are at. And you start to to believe this lie that this is just kind of where you are. And so here's what I want to tell you today, and we'll try to unpack this. And And this is no surprise, I think, that I would say this, but But there is the promise, and this is Christmas, that you can have peace from your past regardless of of how bad it is or how bad they've been, that in this season that reminds you of everything that's wrong, it also is an invitation that despite that, God can do something, that God can bring peace, and that you could walk out on the other side of these weeks that are in front of you and be freer than you have ever been before without any of your circumstances changing. Yeah, you can put your hands together if you believe that, or just, just fake it till you believe it. Just clap until you start believing that. It is possible. But here's what I want. Here's what I want to tell you is that that if you're ever going to receive the promise of peace for your past, it's it's going to happen by a change of perspective. In fact, for a lot of us, our perspective has to change before we are ever going to be at a place to where we can find freedom for the stuff that's haunting us or the stuff that we are dragging around. Like our, our, our perception has to change. For some of us, our perception is we look at our past, we look at what's happening around us, we look at what's happening to us and we think... There's no way around this. There's no way out of this. It's impossible. I can't. They won't. And we're just resigned to living in that place and living around it and living around them and ignoring them or not going back and facing it. And we're just going to keep trying to live our life in spite of, and God's going, I have something better for you. So 1,400 years before a baby shows up in a manger... There's a nation of Israel and God makes a promise to the nation of Israel and I'll try to tie this around at the end but it's a shadow of the promise that God would make to us. And there was differences, but it really was a picture of the promise that God ultimately would make to us in Jesus. God comes to the nation of Israel and says, I want to do something specific through you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to birth a movement ultimately through you, but here's what it's going to require. Um, you're going to have to go and face some unbelievable odds, some unbelievable threats, some, some pretty big threatening enemies in order to obtain the promise that I have for you. And the promise that he had for the nation of Israel actually resided around a piece of land. And through that piece of land called the promised land, he was going to raise up a nation that ultimately would birth a messiah. And so he says, listen, you're you're going to have to confront some things, but I'm going to be with you. And when you doubt, just remember I've made the promise. I've made the promise that if you trust me and that if you believe that I'm going to give you peace from your enemies and I'm going to lead you into my promise, I will be there. I will fulfill what I said. And it was a shadow promise of what God ultimately would do through Jesus and making us a promise that no matter how bad things are, and some of you do not believe this, but I'm praying God does something in your heart, that no matter how bad things are or how bad they are, there is the promise of the defeat of those enemies, the slaying of those ghosts, the killing of those giants that stand in the way of your peace, and it may not change your past, but it can give you freedom from your future. And so God comes to the nation and says, okay, you, you gotta go into this land and you maybe know the story. The nation gets to the edge of the land around the Jordan River and they send some spies in and ten of them come back wetting their pants going, there's no way we're going in there. I know God promised it. I know there's a promise of peace. I know he said he's gonna give, a, give this to us, but they're, they're giants in the land. We don't know what's in the water, but like seriously, we are outmatched and, and we're grasshoppers in comparison, And so they got basically the edge of the Jordan and they had this crossroads of whether they were gonna believe God or not and they decided they weren't gonna believe God, they weren't gonna trust God. And maybe you know the story, they end up not going into the land and they wander in circles in the middle of the desert for several decades. And they start to rack up all kind of bad decisions and basically, I mean, figuratively give God the finger over and over again, not trusting him. And all of a sudden, they're in the middle of the desert And there's this representative of what God has called them to, this promise, this peace, but they haven't entered into it. And so now all of a sudden this promise of I'm going to give you peace and defeat your enemies is nothing more than a reminder of their past. It became a reminder of what they didn't do. It became a reminder of all the bad decisions they made. It became a reminder of why they're hanging out in the middle of nowhere rather than being where they ultimately want to be. It was representative of everything that they didn't want to face down. And there they are in the middle of the desert and all the while they had this invitation of you are either going to receive my promise of peace or you are going to stay here in the middle of nowhere and be far from what I have for your life. And so God comes to them and he's like hey hey listen uh, it's been a few decades. For some of you it's it's been a few decades. Are you tired of this yet? Are you tired of this yet? God's like, are you guys tired of this yet? I I want you to trust me and I want you to go back and I want you to face down and I want you to confront and I want you to fight all of the enemies that stand in the way of your peace and my promise to you. And you have a choice of whether you're gonna continue to hang out here or you have a choice of whether you're gonna go back and ultimately, Confronting your past, Israel, is going to hinge on your perspective. And here's what I would tell you for a lot of you and for me is that confronting your past is going to hinge on your perspective. And you're hanging out in the middle of the desert and there's some unresolved conflict and some some things from the past that haven't been dealt with. There's some unmet expectations. And here you are. And whether you believe it or not, there is the shadow promise of I want to give you peace from your past and I want you to go into the land. I want to defeat your enemies. And you are going to choose whether you're going to go back, confront and fight, or whether you're going to continue to hang out here. So God, in the middle of all this, comes to Israel in Joshua 1.1 and says, I love this. Sometimes we miss this in the text, and maybe this just speaks to me, but, he, but all of this has happened, and in Joshua 1.1, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, just pause for one second. Now, you know Moses, right? Like, Moses is burning bush Moses, if you've not been around the church, this is Moses, like I dropped some snakes on Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt back in the day. This is Moses, I talked to God and, and God turned you know, water into blood. This is Moses, I sent frogs coming out of the sky. This is, this is Moses, I've done a few things. I mean, it was with God's help, but there's some stuff on my resume, Moses. Moses, who was chosen by God to lead this entire nation of Israel, seven million people. Moses, the patriarch. Moses, the leader. This is why I love this. Moses, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Hold up. Can we just, now then, can we just have an in memoriam to Moses real quick before we move on? Can we like sit together and like remember and tell some stories and talk about how amazing Moses was? I mean, Moses, who freaking parted the Red Sea and and with God's help beat down Pharaoh and led Egypt, um, led Israel out of Egypt's captivity, is dead. And and the only thing you have to say is Moses is dead. Now then, go back to where I told you to go in the first place and let's go get our land. Like, are you serious? And here's why this just strikes me is because the now then is the offer for every single one of us because what God was saying to them is, yeah, Moses is legit, but just make no mistake. What I have promised you and what I want for you, what I want for your life, what I want for your past, it is not contingent on any person and it is not contingent on any circumstance And it is not contingent on what you think you need or how much you think you did that disqualifies you from it or the fact that it's so bad and you're so raveled up in it that there's never a way out. That if you in your moment of, I'm not sure so much has happened in the past, if you would turn and say, I'm gonna trust you even if I don't believe it, God will meet you right there. And he's saying to the Israelite people, Moses was the patriarch, Moses was the leader. I had a plan for Moses, Moses was legit, but I'm telling you, my plans do not hinge on people or leaders, I raise up nations and I put them back down, I place leaders in place and I decide that I'm done with them, I am the ruler of the heaven and the earth, so when you come to me to go, I'm trusting you, I'm going back into the land, I will now then, any moment in your life. Well, I've been addicted for 17 years, no, no, I no, no, you ready to trust me now, now then, The relationship is way too far gone. There is no way anything is ever gonna come out of this. I know, are you willing to trust me now? Do you think that is too much for me? Now then... I've been in a place where if you knew what they had done to me, there is no way I can get around this. And I understand it's a big deal. You are talking about the Lion of Judah who says, you want to trust me now? I will now then that in an instant and lead you into what I have promised you the whole time. And it does not hinge on what has happened, what you feel or how incapable you are. It hinges on me. So whatever is the big deal that you think is keeping you from receiving what God has, he is ready to create a now-then moment right in the middle of your story. And so verse three, I'm I'm gonna give you every place that you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And then verse five, no one will be able to stand against you. In all the days of your life, as I was with, with Moses, I will be, what's the two words? Oh, come on. As I was with, like, it's on two massive screens. There's no way you don't see it. As I was with Moses, so I will be what? With you. with you. And I will never leave you. In the context of what I've called you to go back and face down and fight, I will never leave you. The shadow promise to every single one of us I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And so, Joshua. I know this seems like it's not the right time. I need you to take them back. I need you to take them back to where they, they should have obeyed me in the first place, where they should have trusted me in the first place, the place that is the reminder of the greatest the greatest baggage, the, the place that is the reminder of where they don't wanna be, the place that's a reminder of the greatest regrets for Israel. I, I want you to take them back, And if you do, I know the enemies are big, and I know you seem small, but I will be with you because I promised you. And if I promise you, I'm going to fulfill my promise, but you got to trust me. See, the the issue, Joshua, the issue is, Bob, if you're Bob, maybe that was the Holy Spirit. The issue is, are you going to trust me? Are you going to believe me? See, the issue is not, am I going to be with you? The issue is, are you going to be with me? You're hanging out in the middle of the desert thinking there's no other way and you've gotta go back and you've gotta confront and you've gotta fight and the promise is I have already delivered you if you will trust me and it may not be what you want and it doesn't mean it erases everything around you or takes away all the hurt. You know that already but freedom is available and I came so that you could have peace from your past, what's happening around you and what is happening to you but you have got to trust me. And so he says to Joshua, and he says to us, be strong and be courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land or literally the promise of my peace that I swore to their ancestors to give them. And so Joshua, you gotta go back. You gotta take the nation back. You gotta confront, face down, and fight the very thing that you are terrified of. And this is where perspective is so huge. You ever thought about this? Like when the, when the spies initially went into the land, they walked away going, these guys are freaking giants. They were terrified. And then they, they say about themselves, and we're grasshoppers. You know what I'm talking about, some of you? And it's funny because I don't know that the, the, the giants in the land were like throwing shade or heckling them. I don't think there's no, there's no like suggestion that they were calling them grasshoppers. It was their own perspective as they walked out of that land, going, They are too big and we're too small, we're grasshoppers, it's never gonna happen, we can never defeat them, we can never go into the land. And they'd completely missed what God had promised. Like, listen, it isn't you, yeah, you can't defeat them, but I'm not talking about you. I said that when you go in, I'm gonna be with you. I said, I'm not gonna forsake you. And do you think the one who hung the stars, created the galaxies, who created the land, who actually manufactured the giants is not bigger than the giants? You are going in with me. You are in the place of the giant. They're the grasshoppers. I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. You need to go back in and secure what I promise to give you, and I will be with you. Your confrontation of your past in many perspectives, it really does hinge on your perspective of whether you believe God and what you see about yourself and what you see about him. And so he says to the nation, go back, confront it, fight it so I can lead you across it. And so here's my, my questions and I, I, gotta, I gotta move it, but what are the ghosts of your past that you need to go back and you need to face down and you need to fight? And I use those words strategically. Like you know this, right? You're not gonna pray your way past them. There are some enemies and some giants that require confrontation. They require you to face them down. I, usually there's three. There's, there's the decisions that we've made In a lot of cases, number two, there's the disappointments we feel. And number three, there's the things that we have had done to us. So like, what are your ghosts in regard to the decisions you made? Like what what keeps haunting you and you have just kind of decided to hang out in the desert and you're gonna work your life around them. I'm just gonna avoid them until they show up at Christmas. I'm just gonna not pay attention to it. I'm just gonna not think about it. I'm just gonna kind of remain in this place where I go, well, if you knew what happened to me, this is the way I am. You, you start self-medicating and trying to escape from it, but what are the things that you are carrying around where you're hanging out in the desert and there are some ghosts that are haunting you and you can't, you can't leave them behind? And you gotta go back and you gotta face it in order to release it. You're not gonna pray your way past that. For some of us, it means we gotta go back and we, we have to apologize to somebody, For some of us, it means that we need to go back and we need to, as best we can, try to reconcile something. It means we need to go back and admit it. We need to go back and confess it. We need to go back and stop minimizing it. And here's the thing I just wanna tell you, and I'm gonna go quickly here, is that when you hide from it, whatever it is, whatever the ghost is, whatever the giant is, when you hide from it, you resist healing from it. This is so huge. The longer the ghosts stay in the dark, the longer the giants are left unattended in the land, the bigger they become. And Jesus is inviting every single one of us into healing, but you have to take up the invitation. Jesus heals what you invite him to heal. And so I'm just telling you, stop trying to pray your way past it. Make that a part of the deal. But there are some things you got to fight. There are some things you got to confront. There are some things that terrify you and scare the hell out of you. You have to move back. You've got to face them down. You've got to look them in the eye. And you've got to give the enemy a right hook to go, I am not going to keep this hidden any longer. Yes, I did it. Yes, I stole it. Yes, I heard them. Yes, I walked out. Yes, I wish I could change it. But I am going to live a life where I am reminded by my past, but I am not controlled by my past. And it may not happen in the moment. But here's what you need to declare is that Jesus desires to give you freedom and lead you to conquer those enemies and live at peace from your past. And it means I'm going to bring it to the surface. I'm going to confess it to you. I'm going to get in community, and let somebody else know what I'm carrying, and I'm gonna invite Jesus to begin to lead me to a place of healing, and I am not going to be haunted by this anymore. <laughs> but you gotta go back. It's the woman at the well. Maybe you know the story. She comes up on Jesus, and Jesus starts just unpacking all of her re- relational dysfunction. How terrifying. And at the end of that interaction, she runs back to her town and people and she's like, I just met somebody who told me everything that I ever did, all of the crazy dysfunction from my relational past, and it was amazing. Because for the first time in my life, I am known and loved. And I am not gonna live in a place where I allow the enemy to keep that thing that's hidden in the dark to grow bigger and to become stronger and attach shame to it. Jesus came so that I could be set free. And it's not minimizing what I've done, but it's saying that what Jesus did is bigger. It will not have control over me any longer. So you gotta go back. You got to go back. You got to go back. The second, the second ghost that haunts us is, is the disappointment that we feel. Some things that just, it's a season where a lot of times we're reminded of what we're not, where we're not, who's not with us. And, and a lot of times we, we know what we're disappointed with, but we start to lose sight of who we're disappointed with. This is this insidious thing that happens where all of a sudden we start to look around to everybody else and and we need some kind of outlet, so we start comparing. And, And generally, when we don't like where we are, we start looking at where everybody else is. And so suddenly, there's some people around you who have nothing to do with the disappointments that you feel, and they're getting all the carnage from it. They're getting all the shrapnel from it. And you've carried it so long, you forget. You think your problem is with them. Because we, we know what we're disappointed with, but sometimes we lose sight of who we're disappointed with. And, and here's how I know this in some cases. Because the person right now that you have so much angst toward, the one thing that they can do that makes you feel better highlights the fact that you have the problem. Because the one thing that you can do that makes you feel better or the one thing that they can do that makes you feel better is fail. Fail. And the thing that they can do that makes you feel better with what you feel in terms of the disappointments that you're carrying highlights the fact that you have a problem. And here's the thing that you gotta get to the center of. Do you know ultimately in many cases who you're disappointed with? I'm not saying it's not somebody you live with. You you may have right to be disappointed with them. But you know who ultimately in some of those circumstances you're disappointed with? Who is the only one who could have changed it, could have reconciled it, could have healed it, could have made it better, could have given you the promotion? Ultimately, it's not them. Do you know who you're disappointed with? God. And there is something about that honesty when you get it out into the light that starts to bring unbelievable. Clarity, and again, it may not heal everything in the moment, but at least it may start to lead you to a place where you're directing it away from the people who are suffering because you've lost sight of where your angst is really coming from, and you've gotta get honest with God, and he can handle it to go, I feel irreverent saying this, and I would never admit this out loud, but I'm kinda angry with you. There's a circumstance I'm walking through Right now, and, and you know it's weird in our lives where like we generally walk through dual seasons, like where one part, everything is great, and then even when everything is great, there's usually this one thing that sucks. Are you still gonna leave me up here at the 1045? <laughs> right, right, okay. And, and there's this thing right now where I just, I feel that, and there's been about three times, and I, to be transparent, it, it hasn't been long. It's just been kind of literally a moment but where I just kind of feel pissed. And, and, and there's moments where I just have had to stop because I started to redirect that to somebody else. And, and what's really helped move my heart and redirect my thinking is those moments, has been about three times where I've just had to get honest with God in prayer to go, I, there, I know theologically everything, so I don't need to be told the answers. And I know it's ridiculous for me to even feel this, but, but God can handle what you feel. And I just have to come to him to go, I just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad at you, and I know I shouldn't be, and I know who you are. I know you could end it all for me right now in this moment if you wanted to. Thank you for your grace, <laughs> but this is just how I feel, and, and, and even in that moment, God begins to redirect my heart or at least give me clarity, to go, hey, this is who you need to deal with, where you need to go back, and deal with some of the disappointments that you haven't faced down. Because it may release you, but listen, it may release other people around you. And then lastly, the, the third ghost is the things that have been done to you. And this might be even bigger than the past that we carry. I think a lot of us like find freedom from our decisions quicker than we find freedom from other people's decisions. We just tend to carry a lot of stuff. And I'm not, like for some of you, this requires counseling and therapy and, or maybe legal action. So there's some huge things represented in this room or online or via radio. So I don't wanna oversimplify, but I wanna talk to some of you where it's something that you've carried an offense that you've carried and and it's not minimizing the offense and it's not making it not a big deal. It is a big deal. Even if it's not a big deal to anybody else, if you feel it, it's a big deal. And you need to go back and confront it and fight it. I love what Matthew writes in Matthew 24:10. He says, and and then many will be, and I think this so describes our culture, honestly. And we're trying to rail against this as a church. Honestly, my church experience has felt like this verse in a lot of cases in the past. And I'm thankful that culture isn't here. But and many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. And a literal Greek word is scandalon. It means they'll be trapped that they'll be they'll be baited into it. They'll literally they will be hanging out in the middle of the desert, not knowing that this offense they're carrying because of something they said, because of how they threw shade on how I'm parenting, the fact that they didn't do what I wanted them to do, the fact that they, you know, said that about me or didn't say that about me or talked to them, or whatever the thing is but we're sitting there baited into and trapped in a fence in the middle of the desert and we're thinking, I'm gonna pay them back by avoiding them, I'm gonna pay them back by sitting on this anger because I'm not gonna let them go free, having no idea that we're in a trap, we're trapped in a fence and here we are in the desert and in many cases, they're hanging out in the promised land, they don't even know anything is wrong and God's going, I want you to go back and face it down and it's not about justice, It's about freedom. I'm gonna handle justice. I want you to go get your freedom, which means you have got to go back and face it. And here's the reality, that the ghost of offense will not let you go. You have to go let them go. You have to fight for it. To quote Rich Wilkerson, I love this idea that I think is so true. And here's what we also need to know, is that healthy confrontation has an expiration date. Healthy. There may be something right now where you need to go back and confront, but I'm telling you, the longer it is left unattended and the longer you say strapped in or trapped in a fence, the bigger the giants are, the larger the ghosts become, the quicker you can go, the better. And so it may mean that you need to get something out and go, yeah, this is what you owe me. I'm not minimizing it. I'm not taking away from it. You may still be an idiot, Jesus, move in your heart, but you really did do that. You really did say that. you really did walk out, you really did hurt my reputation, you really did steal that season of my life, but I'm gonna leave justice with God and I'm going in freedom, so I'm gonna face down this enemy, I'm gonna walk back into the land and I'm gonna receive the promise of freedom over what has been done to me and I'm not gonna live here anymore. And so what do you need to go back and confront and face down. What you did, where you're disappointed, what's been done to you. Now, now here's, if I was sitting where you are, here's what I'd be saying. Well, dude, I'm not Joshua. And we're not Israel. And I don't know if it's possible. And I would, I would agree 100% with you. But this is where the power of the Christmas story connects Because this is the how. Okay, I gotta go back and I gotta confront it and I gotta fight it, but if you knew my story. Matthew comes along 1,400 years later and he starts to articulate what went down with the birth of Jesus and the Christmas story and how he entered into our mess and what it means for us and he connects the dots to the how. Like when angels show up to the shepherds, the outcasts in society and says, hey, the Messiah, The promised one, he's bringing peace to earth. And one day it's gonna be over all the earth, but until then, it is gonna be offered to every single person who trusts him. I will give peace in you when there is no peace around you. And Matthew sits down and he he writes this in Matthew chapter one, verse 20. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she is conceived in her, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, what is it? Jesus. You're to give him the name, what? Jesus. Here's what you need to know is that the Latin translation of the Greek term that comes from a Hebrew word, Yeshua, and in Greek and Hebrew, you can go back and look this up, there's no J which means that the literal translation of what Matthew is writing is that she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name. What is it? Joshua. That literally, you've been praying to the wrong guy the whole time. That's why your prayers aren't getting answered. What you have to understand is the Christmas story actually starts in Joshua, that Joshua is Jesus, That Joshua was a picture and a shadow of the characteristics of the coming Messiah. And so that may not mean a lot to you, but in the first century, when Matthew's writing this and and recounting this, every Jewish person is on the edge of their seats because they knew about Joshua. And they were stuck in a religious system where they would offer bulls and goats, but it never did anything about their past, it never took away any of the ghosts. The Giants just kept getting bigger. And so Matthew says, "Joshua is here." And they're thinking, "Say what? Joshua is here?" Because when Matthew writes that, here's what every Jewish person is thinking: is that Joshua, the warrior king, is here. We remember Joshua. Joshua was one of the two spies that walked out of the land while everybody else was terrified and says, we should go take it and believe God. Joshua was the guy that when when God came to him after Moses died, said, all right, let's go. We're gonna do this. And he led the people to the edge of the Jordan and God parted the waters and Joshua led them into the land and he went into um, the places of Gibeah and he cried out to the Lord to say, hey, could you stop the sun and the moon for a little while so we could have more daylight and fighting? And God did it. And then Joshua led them into Jericho and under Joshua's leadership, Jericho came tumbling to the ground. He went into Canaan and Canaan, Canaan had no chance. Israel decimated Canaan. He brought them into Amalekite, to the Amalekites, and every one of them had to bow their knee to the Israelites. Joshua was a little gangster. Joshua was the warrior king. Joshua led us to defeat our enemies, led us to secure the land, led us to receive the promise of peace and to receive what God had given us all of these years. And so they're saying to Matthew, you're telling us that Joshua, the warrior king is here. And Matthew's like, that's exactly what I'm telling you. That's why he will save his people from their sins, the ghosts of their past, what's been done to them, what's been happening around them, what happened in the past, what they really can't find a way forward. There is the promise that I am gonna rescue, I'm gonna save, I'm not just going to forgive. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to defeat your enemies. I'm going to lead you into a relationship with me where you can live at peace. And so this is how you go back. This is how you fight. This is how you confront the enemies. This is how you face them down. You can't do it, but I can do it through you. And you're looking at eight-ounce eight pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus in a manger who is all calm and bright and it's a silent night and he is sleeping in heavenly peace. But Matthew really is saying nothing could be further from the truth. When Jesus shows up in a manger, it is a declaration of war over everything that stands in the way of your peace because Joshua, the warrior king, is here. So you can't. But he can. And I know the enemies and the ghosts and the giants are big and they're scary, but Joshua, the warrior king, is here and he says, All of my power, if you place your faith and trust in me, it's in you. That's what you need to go back. And not just the power of Joshua, not just the power that parted the Jordan River, and defeated Jericho. I'm talking about the power that one day is gonna rule and reign over everything. I'm talking about the power that walked into a grave and put death to the mat and walked out victorious. I'm talking about the Lion of Judah. I'm talking about the King of Kings. I'm talking about the Lord of Lords. I'm talking about the great I am. I'm talking about all the power on Easter weekend that brought him out of the grave. Every single bit of it is in you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Go be strong. Go be courageous. Face it down. I will give you the land. Romans, Paul says this. I'm going to be done in a second. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, not death, not life, not Moses' death, not Jesus' death, not the death of a relationship, a dream, or a marriage, not angels or demons, not the ghosts or demons that you carry, not the fears of today, not the worries of tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. You need to go back and you need to face it down and confront it and fight it. And confronting your past is gonna hinge on your perspective because you're wandering in the desert thinking, I can't, I'm not, it's never gonna happen. And you've left left the ghosts unattended and they've gotten larger and larger. You've left dealing with the giants and so they've gotten bigger and bigger in your mind and you've gotten smaller and smaller recently um my four-year-old son went through a thing that like i think most little kids go through but he started seeing like ghosts at night in his room and so he started coming to me and you know it's just that like silly little oh there's no ghosts in your room and you know whatever and then he kept like it's like night after night he's like not getting sleep I mean there's no peace he's like whatever he saw like he felt like he saw it you know what i mean so he kept, he kept describing these things to me and they were in like really crazy detail. So whatever he saw, he thought he saw it and man. And so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a grown man. There's not ghosts. I don't even think theologically that. There's, there's, dude, there's not ghosts. And he just kept describing these things like to where it got to a point where I'm like, what are you seeing in your room? Like, does he see dead people? And so I'm like, all right, dude, we're. Um, I'll go sleep with you for a little bit, and we'll get to the bottom of this because this is crazy and ridiculous. And I'm not gonna tell him, but you're kind of freaking me out. So I got into his top of his bunk, and I'm like, all right, I'm a. There's, there's no ghosts. Um, I did have a little Bible hid under the blanket that he couldn't see, and I was quoting the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy I don't know what you do when a ghost comes, but I'm just thinking probably need a Bible and the Lord's Prayer um, running through your head. I didn't grow up Catholic. If somebody would give me rosary beads, I would have had them right there in that moment. So I'm just sitting with him for a little while, and like, alright, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And uh, finally, he's like, there he is. Hallowed be thy name, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. So I like, I looked over, and exactly what he had been describing is showing up on his wall. Like I dude, I get it. That look that's a man in a trench coat with a hat, and he does look like he's gonna kill you. So I see why you have not been sleeping. But I had I had the the leverage of perspective. Because I could look over there and go, that is what you're describing is exactly what you see. But what I know is you got two little world war plane planes hanging from your ceiling right there and they're reflecting off this light and and that's the thing that's making the image on your wall and so this thing that has so much power over you so much control over you that is ushering in so much fear for you the fact that you can't sleep at night like I I get it I see it like I understand why you've been so afraid but I have a different perspective that that thing that you are looking at has no power over you it has no control over you it has no ability to steal your peace it is a shadow. It has nothing that it has that can come against you. And what I want to tell you today is I know the enemies are big. I know the giants are strong. I know that they are terrifying you to death, but your perspective changes everything. And when you come to the place to go, I'm no longer going to live in. I can't. It won't. It's not possible. It's never going to happen. And you realize, no, on my own, I can't, but he can. I can go back into the land. I can cross the Jordan. I can walk in and receive the promise despite the enemies because Jesus is here not a baby in a manger but Joshua the warrior king who says, I have promised it to you. You can go and receive it and walk in and embrace what I said could happen. You can have victory over your enemies. You can have peace for your past. And the moment you are willing to decide to go back is the moment I am willing to conquer it with you. And so right now in this moment, you can't, he can, you can't, he can, you can't, he can because Joshua the warrior king is here. And so go back because it's not you the grasshopper against the giants. It is the giant. It is Jesus. It is the Lion of Judah. And whatever you're facing down is a grasshopper in comparison. And he's already made you the promise. And so you gotta go back. You gotta face it. You gotta confront it. And I'm telling you, regardless of whether the circumstances change, Jesus has made it clear by coming to earth and condescending into human flesh, I will give you peace. It's why I showed up. It's why I came. It's why I entered into earth. So where do you need to go back? Would you just stand with me all over the house right now? If you're online right now, like this, this may be a moment for you. If you're listening on radio, if you're podcasting somewhere, and what I'm well aware of is I, I can't manufacture it, but I, the thing that I've been praying and honestly agonizing over is a bunch of people who you've encountered Jesus and we're so prone to give into the lies where God is inviting us into freedom. And the crossroads is, are you gonna stay hanging out here? Are you gonna trust him? And I can't oversimplify, and I know it's a big deal, and I know that whatever you're facing, I may not even be able to relate to. But this season that maybe brings so much to the surface about what is not right is an invitation that over these next few weeks, the thing that you're praying about, the thing that has caused so much angst and anger, it may not change. But I'm telling you, you can go free. And here's the thing about Israel, and I'll be done with this, is they had no idea what was at stake if they went back and confronted all the things that represented their past, all of the literal giants in the land. They had no idea what was at stake. They really had no idea what God was gonna do, but through their obedience and trust, he raised up the Messiah, Joshua, the warrior king, who had come to earth and multi-generationally would offer salvation to the world. They had no idea that that hung in the balance. The last thing, you have have no idea what is at stake and what hinges on your decision to change your perspective and to trust what Jesus says and go back and confront it and fight it. Because in many cases, it's not just gonna mean you're healing. It's gonna be multi-generational. It's gonna heal some people around you and it's gonna heal some people coming behind you. And in fact, there are some people who need your healing to take place in order for them to find healing. You're the catalyst, you're the linchpin. So are you willing to go back and confront what you've done, confront what's been done to you to confront what you're disappointed with. And I'm not naive, it's not gonna happen in a moment. But to ultimately slay those ghosts, defeat those giants and go free, because I'm telling you, that is God's will for your life. Would you guys pray with me all over the house? If you're online, if you're somewhere in a dorm room or a coffee shop right now, Jesus, we thank you for who you are. I pray that you would give us courage right now to do what you're asking us to do. For many of us, it's to, it's to take a step to actually engage, to engage into community, to go today and sign up for a community group, to get around some other people that can begin to help us process this and do life with us. And we're not gonna do this without that. Others of us need to step into your gathering, this thing called the church that is, it's your will for our life. If we placed our faith and trust in you, we, we are your body. And then along with that, there's just places and spaces. We got to go back and we got to confront and we got to fight. We got to write letters. We got to have conversations, send an awkward text, pray an awkward prayer. But God, give us the courage. And right now in faith, we know we can't, but you can. And because you can, and because you're going with us, we can be strong and courageous. And so right now, because we celebrate the coming of Joshua, the warrior king, we trust you. And we pray this in his incredible name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, We would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.